Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the end. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann and the ContenderCast, and we're shining a light on bright ideas today. Single serve wine. I can't even wait. Uh, on the podcast, you probably heard of the brand Wander and Ivy, Wander plus Ivy, as I like to say. Dana Spalding's on Dana. She's the CEO and founder. Uh, it's so great to have you here. I can't even wait. It's a little early in the day for me, so I don't have any wine right now, but I'm excited <laughs> to talk to you. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. I know. I love this category. I love what you're doing. The packaging is amazing. Um, really interesting uh, focus. And I, 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 I could jump right ahead to it. But I've got some questions for you about you first. So um, I was doing my homework on you. And I read all this great background on you. And then I see you're like, you're like a financial planner, right? And you were in the banking business. So, and here you are as a founder a couple years in. So how about share some of your story before we jump into Wander and Ivy? Yeah, you got it. Well, I spent my whole career in private wealth management at JP Morgan before founding the business. And I, I really liked it. It inspired me to where I am today. So my job was to manage wealth most recently for entrepreneurs, specifically in the food and beverage category. Before we started recording, you had mentioned you work with a lot of folks in Expo West. It was my job. I had the great pleasure to attend Expo West for years to be able to connect with my clients, potential clients. And so as you can imagine, I was remarkably inspired. And for years, I was thinking, how do I do what they're doing? And right. so it was, on my, it was on my dream list. And I just had to have kind of that aha moment to figure out what that was for me. I think it's so cool. I mean, a lot of our listeners were there or are there usually yeah. Um, yeah. to show their product. Um, and for those yeah. that don't know what Expo West is, it is a great event on the West Coast where, I mean, all kinds of startups in food and beverage um, showcase. And you really see, you get to meet the founders. It's not just like the marketing person there. Like the founders are there. It's really cool. Okay. So you decide, I love this space. I, I hope I have a booth here at Expo West one day. How did you figure out that single serve wine was going to be your thing? So my husband and I met my husband in private wealth management. So he and I were always like, what are we going to do? Throwing out business ideas. But it wasn't until what I share all the time that my husband asked me and teased, are you really going to waste another bottle of wine? Because it was a Monday. <laughs> nice. I wanted to have a nice glass, but he's a whiskey guy. And so very frequently I was wanting to open up a bottle, have a glass, and especially during the week when I would just want one, maybe two, I'd find myself throwing away a portion of the bottle a few days later. And so he had said, Hey, so we need to stop that. Can we, can we just go? And I was initially really frustrated, but he had suggested, Hey, let's go figure out what's in this alternative packaging category. There's gotta be something that fits your need. So I was just very personally looking in the single serve wine aisle. And then that's when it started to become a spark because what I found was very low quality wines real low quality packaging, the cans, bags, boxes. For me, truly nothing felt like a luxury. And then when I dug a little bit deeper, Justin, I found that there was no focus on clean organic ingredients. And so I had already had my kind of feelers out of like, okay, what, where's their major gap? And this for me, there were so many major holes in the market that I thought if I could do this premium wine in a premium packaging with clean organic ingredients, there'll be so many differentiators that 
it's there's going to be a massive market for it. So that was my aha story. Got it. Okay, so great. So you you, you see this opportunity. You're like, I'm, and you're right. Like I don't know about you. Like after I open a bottle of cab, which I really love, and then like after a couple of days, if you haven't had the rest of it, you know, it just doesn't taste really that good. You know, yeah. I don't know. Something yeah. weird about it. Um, it hasn't officially turned to vinegar. You know? <laughs> it's not 100%. It's yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not my favorite. Um, and so you decide you're going to tackle this category, but you hadn't been in it. Right. So like, how yeah. did you figure out like where to even begin? It was incredibly nerve wracking. My Before I even got the courage to leave my day job, I dug into what the market looked like. So I understood the competitive landscape. And I also determined that day one, when I did leave my day job, I was going to dive into the SOM certification process. So got my base level knowledge, knowing that, like you said, I wasn't coming from the industry, which was very intimidating. And so to build the knowledge, to gain my credibility, I got my SOM certifications with the Court of Master SOMs, as well as the International Wine Guild, and thought, okay, I have the base knowledge. And now I'm going to surround myself with industry experts to really build this thing. Got it. Okay. So then, okay. I, I love the fact that you did the research and the homework to better understand it. And and really, you know, it's more than just like, I like to drink wine, right? You need to understand like how, how what's behind it. Right. Um, and know the product, which I think is really, really great. And then how did you figure out though, like where to get grapes, like how to make <laughs> wine and get it into a package. Your packaging is very unique. Like give us some of the detail on that. So step one from a packaging standpoint, I knew I wanted to create something that was so different because honestly, there's so many connotations, negative connotations as to what's in cans, bag can boxes. wine. Yeah, exactly. And they, I think for the most part, earned some of that uh, uh, reputation, even though it's getting higher quality now, there's, there's some certainly higher quality in cans. However, there's a connotation for what you're going to get in a 187 plastic on an airplane or a can or a box. And so I thought if we're going to do this, it has to look and feel totally different and surprise the consumer. So from a packaging standpoint, I was super proud to patent our glass bottle. It's a cylindrical glass bottle that is unlike anything else in the wine category. So sourcing that was was step one, which was a, a, a challenge, but we're so proud to have done it. Um, and then step two, like you said, where on earth do you start from a wine standpoint? So, uh, after really understanding the regulatory landscape, which I will say was a huge learning curve, just building my knowledge base there, understood we became licensed as an importer. And so our business model is that we import and domestically source fully finished wines that meet our criteria. We ship them into California and then bottle label and package for distribution there. And so honestly, Justin, I it's funny because now people, people say all the time, like, you don't have a quote, it's called a broker that you find your, your wines through. And I, it was nice, you know, it was like, like classic example of being a naive founder. I, I didn't even know that existed. So I went directly right. to wineries, which now is a huge um, benefit to us because we have these direct relationships, but I did what I knew in private wealth management was just kind of starting with cold calling and building warm relationships from there. <laughs> so now I have relationships with our, with our vineyard partners, but it truly was that it was me calling them after doing my universe of, okay, here's the universe of suppliers that we'd love to partner with. That would be a dream. You know, the product checks all of our boxes, certified organic, family owned, um, of the price point we were looking for in the renowned region we want to source from. And so I, I'd say, hey, can this is what we're looking for initially. We'd love to sample your wines. We did an extensive sampling process with our focus groups. And uh, I see your face is like, oh, that must have been terrible. Uh, I bet that um, was fun. My husband really, really loved uh, <laughs> I'm sure. His, his we really need to do more sampling. <laughs> 
but yeah, so then it was, I mean, of course it's become more sophisticated right. since then, but it's really just been a research and sampling process. But because we source fully finished wine, we trust our vineyard partners to really create that incredible juice. And then we bottle label and package it for them. Got it. Okay. So that's interesting. Yeah. The way I would like in your packaging, by the way, for those that are listening, wanderandivy.com, um, it looks like a high end. There's some water brands, you know, that, that have glass bottle and that the larger cap like you did. I, I think it's really nice. Um, and what I like about it is uh, if others have seen other glass bottles like that, they would think premium. You know what I mean? So I think that's really cool. Did you start with like cab or rosé? Or did you start like because I'm, I'm, like you've got a gift set here where it's got Chardonnay, cab, red blend, et cetera. Was it just one or where did you do it first? We actually started with the four varietals that we still have today. And so we look to expand from there. Um, but it's been pretty consistent. If we want, I really, because the bottle, which thank you for your feedback, that was our absolute goal was premium feel as soon as you saw it, because mm-hmm. people think, I know you, you've said the water bot, the water, people think boss, fancy water. So people exactly. like, well, yes, you, you just, you just feeling. called it out. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's, the, that's the feeling, you know, without bridging on any, any patents we're so that we were so proud to still be able to exude that vibe. And so for us, I needed the, I really wanted the varietal and where we source from to be recognizable because from a distance, it doesn't look like a wine bottle. It's so different. And so I felt I, like when a consumer came to the bottle, I wanted them to see immediately. That's a shard from California. I, I know I love shard. I know I love Cali. I I want to try this. And so I wanted the grapes and the regions to be really comfortable because the packaging was so exploratory. And so we started with, you know, international rosé as well as domestic cab and um, shard. And we also have Spanish red blend. And so I really wanted it to be global and I really wanted it to feel comfortable with where we were sourcing from. Sure. Love that. Okay. So it's one thing to make product. So actually, before I get to my next question, like how long yeah. from, Hey, husband, we could do single serve wine <laughs> to, you know, to actually one bottle that's saleable. How long did that take? Oh, that process was probably, it was about a nine month process to get the courage to leave my day job to like, literally I had the idea, like you said, husband annoyed me, had the idea, I give him all the credit for we, I, He's loving and wonderful, but uh, it started with an annoyance. I, it, I really took about nine months to figure it out, to get the courage, to know what I needed to do, left my very cushy finance day job. And then Probably another year and a half. So almost two years from the, I have the idea to launch. We, I believed strongly and I still do that it needed to be an investor backed company because our business model is such that we buy bulk premium wine to bottle label and package. So from an economic standpoint, it just has to make sense in bulk versus you're not doing like a test run of a hundred bottles. You're, exactly. you're doing this or you're not. And so it took about two years have the idea to get the day, you know, leave the day job and then get the funding, get the product launched in market end of 2018. How'd you get the funding? Did you just go to your, your wealth advising families you're working with and say, Hey, I have this opportunity or where, where did that come from? So I was really taken aback and honored when I was so nervous because I liked my job when I had the opportunity to say to a lot of them, listen, you know, I, I hate, I, this is what if I'm doing. If you want to be but involved, so, we can stay in touch. <laughs> yeah, but what was so cool, because I was so nervous, I wasn't at all planning to pitch them, but I was so nervous. And they had said, 
I'm here where I am today. Like I am a ultra high net worth client because I took that risk. So right. go for it. And I was honestly like chills taken aback because they were like, do it now or never and call me when you need funding. And so I was like, okay, I don't even know what I do with the funding yet, but let me, so I honestly took time to know exactly how I do it. I gave them a call and I was also fortunate to have a network of founders to connect me into the other VC, just the venture community and give me the mentorship to even get started, which was really, really No, that's great. Um, it's one thing to have a product, um, with wine or anything really that you like, how did you know others would like it or would buy it? It's a great question. We did in the tasting process, I did a series of, of market focus groups and, and, you know, now they were, they seem small scale versus what I do, we do today, but they were still impactful and they were market focus groups with our target demographic, as well as industry experts, which are very, very different. As you know, master songs versus <laughs> right, right. email millennial. Who, but what was important to me was hearing the, the feedback that would lend credibility to the brand from these master songs and industry experts. And then also a market focus group of our target demographic, just like me, who was like, there's nothing like this. And I would get their price. Okay, you like it, but what would you, what would you pay for that? And so I got a lot of people to sample and give me feedback on packaging. I would line it up. I try to, you know, get friends of friends of friends who know nothing about me, but are in our demographic. And I heard consistently, there's nothing like this. I would pay even more than what you're charging because everything in the market is pretty crappy right now. And so initially I got to say it was more my market focus group. And then it quickly, I was quickly seeing when we did proof of market, proof of concept and market, how well it was being received. And so from there, really using that to scale with funding even further. Got it. I think you launched direct to consumer. um, That's my assumption versus any other marketplace or stores. Is that right? We do both. So we okay. actually have about 50, 50% DTC at direct to consumer and wholesale business. Got it. And we, as you have learned, as you learned very quickly, there's a three tier distribution model in the U S. So how do you manage that with D to C, um, versus going through a distributor? It's hard. I mean, really there are two entirely separate businesses, business models. I absolutely love our direct to consumer business. It took a lot of investment and strategy to, to build the st- infrastructure to be able to we ship direct to 38 states, which is huge. Oh, wow. And so we have the ability to ship to most states where illegal. Um, so we have an entire you know digital team and warehouse team focused on that. And we have an entire other warehouse focused on our wholesale business. But as you mentioned, it's just an entirely separate beast wholesale. And so oftentimes we use the DTC data, for example, we're very excited to soon be launching in a couple of East Coast states and our DTC data that we've been able to show them. Look how we have a huge target that's already buying regularly. I'm sure they'd love to go to the store and buy it as well. But really just showing that we have an engaged consumer base has been additive in our wholesale discussions, you know, because we're a fast growing, but still a lot smaller fish in some of these conglomerates. So just sure. getting time of day with wholesalers is tough. But that totally. data really helps the overall pitch of why they need to bring us in. Got it. Anyone that knows beverage and direct to consumer, um, they, they start adding this up here. They go beverage plus D to C plus glass bottle <laughs> fluid. Um, not cheap to ship. So like, how are you managing that um, from a, a, a margin perspective? Because I mean, and I'm sure you found this, right? Let alone, I'm guessing you get no returns, but like just the shipping costs, like how are yeah. you managing through that? 
You know, what's been really exciting is that we've had some really, really great margin enhancements So because we've grown so much and because the East Coast has been such a big opportunity for us. We actually we've historically only had one warehouse in Napa, California, because we have so much we were shipping so regularly to the East Coast and, you know, first like so many brands offering if not free, at least a much dis- much lower cost than it actually is to ship. So we're adding an East Coast fulfillment center. So for us, Got that's it. huge. I mean, from a margin standpoint, we're saving like something like five to twenty seven dollars per shipment per shipment for <laughs> right. water and ice. So that's yeah, that's huge from a margin standpoint. But you can't have two warehouses if you're not big enough, right? And totally. so now we've grown enough to say, okay, this is warranted. We're built, you know, we're building this out, and this can greatly improve our margins from here. Got it. And then what about growing retail store presence? What does that look like for us? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are, we're super excited. You know, for us, it's, it's pretty diverse. Our, our wholesale business for retail, we are fortunate to be in places like Safeway Albertsons, Kroger, Whole Foods, um, natural grocers, HEB and, um, and growing from there, that's our off-premise grocery space. What's very exciting is that something that was put on hold for us so much during the pandemic was hospitality. We, I always thought this absolutely needs to be in a hotel. It's premium organic totally. and single serve. Single and serve. Exactly. Every, yeah. And everybody literally wants to get sexy and innovative with their in-room options. And then the pandemic hit and they just furloughed everyone. And so now that they're back, now that travels reemerged, we got on that pretty early on, as soon as folks started. Um, and so the hotel category for us has been huge. So big major hotels for us has been a huge part of our wholesale business too. That's awesome. Um, what hasn't worked? You've been at this five or six years now. Um, what, what you know, you tried and it just didn't work or you tried a type of wine and it tasted terrible or <laughs> I, like what, what hasn't worked? You know, um, for us, Interestingly, early on, all, so all of our products, I'll preface it by saying, are wines made with organic grapes. So that means that our wines, of course, the wine, the grapes itself are organic, made organically. But it also means from a wine standpoint that you have a very small level of sulfites, zero to 100 parts per million. That is a very technical definition. But the reason why I say that is because there's also organic wine, which is a definition by the regulatory agency that has no added sulfites. So if you are truly allergic to it, that's something that you need. So very early on, I thought, well, it would be great to test one truly organic, no added sulfites. It's truly just the grapes and very, very minimal ingredients. And so that was something that I did early on with a Pinot Noir. And I will tell you, it was it was challenging because it was love or hate. Organic wines, totally 100% organic wines with no added sulfites have a quote, the word that is often used to describe it is funky because it has, it is just like a funky um, wine that really is to the palate of people who want like from the earth, you know, feeling super organic, but there's no added sulfites and sulfites are only used for the most part as a preservative. Ours are very minimal that we use now. But what I learned was not only was it a love or hate from a palate standpoint, it was very, very hard to become shelf state to, to keep the shelf stable of it because it didn't have those preservatives. And so we found inconsistencies. It was a huge punch to honestly my gut early on because, but we tested it and quickly, you know, we were able to pull it to say, this isn't keeping on the shelf, the way in which our wines are now, especially the international ones that are shipping across the ocean. 
they need a little bit of preservatives, small, small amount, but it works. So we proved our concept, but also found something that didn't work. And you right. know, you learn from it. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's, uh, I always love to hear. So I, I, you know, I found early days of doing this, I was always like focused on all the things going well and what's next. And then I was like, you know, I need to start asking. One of my guests was like, you need yeah. to ask like, what didn't work? Um, <laughs> As yeah. you're looking into the next six to 12 months, what are some of the keys to growth? What are the things you're thinking about? You know, for us, some of the big things are, you know, I mentioned some of the chains that we're in, but for me, I have huge eyes on some of the biggest national chains that all the other, I think, brands that you work with do. And so we're um, very, very excited about some of the upcoming chain opportunities that are in the works. And those are huge for us because I think, you know, those are needle moving when you stick, when you even yeah, for the from, volume piece. I mean, yes, exactly. Even from a from even just a test to, uh, all right, we're in a full full blown market with any of these major retailers. So major retail expansion, um, and honestly, just continued DTC success and continued improvement from our marketing efficiency ratio. Ratio standpoint, like the money we're putting in is becoming a lot more efficient direct to consumer because people are knowing about us. Thank you for things like this. People becoming more aware of us. So just honestly, getting to more consumers from both a DTC and a wholesale perspective, launching a couple of new states, especially East Coast, and and um, launching with a couple of new retailers. Those, like I said, they move the needle and really help us scale. And any other flavors, I'll call them? I mean, I know it's not the right word, but varietals <laughs> or, uh, I, you know, like some new, I don't know, new product element? Yes. Yes. So we're actually very excited. We've grown so much and scaled every year, about 150%. And so because of that, we've been able to invest in a custom Wander and Abbey bottling line. Our bottle is so unique that to date, we have not been able to consistently and in a high quality way do bubbles, but that is coming. Oh, which is interesting. So Great. Yeah, that's cool. So, so now we have our own line to be able to do it. And that's that's in the pipeline. Love so it. excited. Okay. I'm sure some of our guests are our guests. Some of our, some of our guests. So you're like only guests, <laughs> except for your PR person that's here. Hello, Sarah, by the way. Um, <laughs> some of our listeners are like, what does Wander plus Ivy mean? Like, where did that even come from? So give us the background. Yeah. You know, Wander and Ivy, I wanted it to represent all the things that made us different or at least touch on most of the things that made us different. And with Wander, I really wanted to land on something, Justin, that represented that we source globally. So each of our wines are sourced from a different award-winning family-owned vineyard around the world. And I also wanted to touch on the fact that we are organic, we source natural, clean products for our and you know, and wine. And I landed on Ivy because I felt like it was green, organic, without touching, without saying any of those words directly, it touched on it in a very subtle way. And I felt like Wander and Ivy together had this very premium vibe that, you know, led to what ultimately is the premium organic single serve wine brand. I think it's great. I love the logo. I love your labeling. I feel like I could wander through the Ivy with my single yeah. serve wine. <laughs> Kidding. I love it. Uh, that's cool. Um, before we go, share with our audience where they could find you, connect with you, buy product, etc. Yeah, so you can ship direct to most states at wanderandivy.com. Also love for you to follow us at Wander and Ivy on Instagram. And there's a wine club, right? Yeah, so what we, we do a wine club. So it's super customizable. Thank you for bringing it up. You can ship whatever you want, however you want, regularly to your door. Make it super easy for you. Love it. All right, Dana, so great having you on. You got to come back. I think I feel, still, you've been at this, I, I think, five or six years, but I feel like it's early days still. So like, um, you got to come back and share more with us down the road. I love that. Thank you so much for having me. The Contender Cast is powered by Contender Brands and is the top global consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast. 
You can find additional ContenderCast episodes on worldwide podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.